Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the space and help lead the charge towards a more decentralized web. Welcome, everyone, to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm Matthew Gould from Unstoppable, and today I'm joined by Diana Chen uh, from Startup Happy Hour Podcast. So, Diana, uh, welcome. Uh, glad to have you on today. Thanks so much, Matt. I'm really excited to be here. So, uh, one of our missions here is to bring more people into the blockchain and cryptocurrency space to teach them about what's happening on the decentralized web and these new tools and technologies. Uh, and so, Diana has been nice enough to offer to be our guinea pig today. So I appreciate her coming on. And she's got a list of questions. Uh, and she's just going to try to drill down and really get a better understanding of you know, what is the decentralized web? Uh, you know, why should I care about this as an end user? And, and I know everyone in crypto has these conversations with their friends and family. Uh, the first time I told my parents about Bitcoin back in 2013, my dad uh, was essentially like, why are you buying internet currency for drugs? Uh, and so we've come a long way in the past, you know, seven years on that topic. And, you know, you can see that there are a lot of use cases for blockchains and crypto more generally, uh, but it's still in its infancy and it's still really confusing to a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of parts that don't make any sense. And uh, so it's good to step back and just have new eyes. So again, Diana, uh, thanks for being here. I think you're a great guest for this. You've actually uh, asked questions about all sorts of crazy startups on your own show. So you're used to diving in and uh, trying to get information about a new emerging tech. Uh, so I think you're the perfect, the perfect person to help uh, others like yourself learning about the space. Thanks so much, Matt. What an intro. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. I've had some conversations very briefly with you about what you do and about the decentralized web. And all of this is really new to me. I I'm not even in the crypto space. And I know you said most people that care about the decentralized web are crypto users. I did buy crypto several years back and then I just got tired of keeping up with it and trying to figure out what, what, what the hell is going on with any of this. So I just sold it. It was like, good riddance to the crypto world. But here I am, and I'm really curious to learn a lot about this. I think a lot of people out there are like me. They're not really users of crypto yet, but they have a lot of curiosity around all of this. So I'm really excited for the opportunity to be here and pick your brain about what all of this is. Yeah, so, well, you know, go ahead. I'll let you go. <laughs> well, sorry. No, sorry. I just got too excited. I'm jumping right on in. But for, my first question is just what is the decentralized web? Well, uh, fundamentally, it's a new way to incentivize uh, users on the internet. And um, one of the first things that the people do is they go and they just buy some cryptocurrency to play around with, just like you did. And then I know a lot of people who bought in at the top of the last bubble, you know, 2017, 2018, and then they watched the price of their cryptocurrency drop, and then they just sold it because they're like, I'm done with this. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of excitement around speculation in uh, crypto and crypto assets in general. Uh, and it's because it's new, right? And it's new, it's a very small market. Um, and there's a lot of people just playing around. They don't really know what they're doing. And I think most people, when they think about Bitcoin, they just, all they know is that it's very volatile and it moves up and down a lot. Uh, and and that's basically the end of their knowledge. So that's the unfortunate part. <laughs> like, so the, I would actually say that the fact that the prices of cryptocurrency have gone up so much and that so many people have made money in this space is actually a deterrent for really getting user education. Um, what's, what's happening at the very bottom 
is we are changing, uh, we are giving people the ability to uh, set up new relationships online um, and, and by having incentive structures for them to interact with each other. So uh, and in the very far future, what we want to be able to do is build more markets for people to exchange goods and information online uh, in order to make money. So like, I'm talking about content producers, I'm talking about consumers sharing their information, um, and with the current, with the technologies that don't use blockchain, it's just too expensive to set that up. Uh, and so we've come up with the ad model. Everyone knows that the main model for making money online is to sell ads. The biggest companies sell ads. Google sells ads. Facebook sells ads. Um, and that me- makes the whole structure of the internet is for these really large companies to sell ads. And if you think about it at the very heart of that, why are they selling ads? It's uh, because they needed a way to uh, aggregate a bunch of really small transactions from having a million people visit the New York Times website, right? And in order to make a payment, you know, so they could sell an ad for like a couple thousand dollars, because they couldn't collect, you know, one tenth of a penny from you and one tenth of a penny from another guy. So the way that they solved this problem back in the '90s was when they had a website and the very first search engines and the very first portal pages. They're like, you know, we can't charge the users to see this content. Um, why don't we just charge these companies to place ads on the internet? Uh, and that unfortunately has now turned into like a really weird dystopia uh, where where the entire internet is now incentivized to get as much ads as possible, right? Uh, f- in front of your face and then to direct you down different funnels to purchase products or watch content or something like that. Uh, and the internet is not built to maximize the user experience. Um, and so this is something that I mentioned on a previous podcast. And because you have essentially the internet is built for companies to make as much money as possible instead of built to de- uh, deliver as much value as possible to end users, um, the whole system feels broken. And that's why when you're online and you're scrolling through uh, your different social accounts, you feel a little gross. Um, and like, if you're thinking to yourself, like, why, do, why is this ad following me around the internet? Why is this like the sixth time I've seen this? Why does this news station only show me things that make me angry to click through links and things like that? And um, the reason is because you're not the customer. Uh, those big companies that are buying the ads are the customer. So the whole internet from that everything is built on is built on this this advertising model, and that's where that's where at least the vast majority of this money is coming from, and that's why your user experience online is poor. Okay, so I totally get that. I watch the social dilemma. I get that we're just pawns in a chess game. Nobody actually cares about us. I get all of that. That's a huge problem. So, how does the decentralized web solve that problem? Yeah. So the biggest innovation um, is that data is essentially uh, data portability, right? So um, when we solved this originally with crypto assets, it's like you could have uh, you can have like a single, uh, like in our case, you can have a single blockchain domain name that, that points to like 50 different crypto networks uh, and the data is useful across multiple different wallets. But if you think about that, what's really happening is the user has data that they can take along to a bunch of different applications. And, um, you know, we obviously started with an easy use case because payments are native to crypto, uh, but getting this to work for more complex data uh, like health records uh, is going to be much more complex and, and take more time. Uh, the point is that you can do this now on blockchain networks. And uh, it's the reason why you can do this now, this is the reality, is that you can track the uh, veracity of the information. Like you can know that it's true, 
um, in different uh, in, in different environments. And that's something that you couldn't do prior to a blockchain. So th- like the thing that Bitcoin solved was really digital scarcity. And, um, and that means that like, if I send you a Bitcoin, you know that you have that Bitcoin. I didn't just make a copy of it on my computer uh, or something like that. And the same thing applies to things like, you know, health records. And <laughs> if you think about it, you know, health records would be really bad if you could make a fake one, because then you can go into a doctor and you can get like a fake prescription or something like that, or maybe you could have the wrong information because it gets corrupted. Um, and so if you think about health records the, in a digital form, the same way that you think about like cryptocurrency in a digital form, it's very important that, you know, these health records are accurate and that this is, this is your set of health records. Um, and, and that when I go to different providers, let's say, you know, I visit my uh, family doctor and then I go to my specialist and let's say, God forbid, I get in a car accident and I end up in a, in a hospital when they pull that information about you, um, they need to they they need to know that it's accurate in all of those different settings. And so this is this is what blockchain does is you know for Bitcoin, which is the one that everyone knows. If I have Bitcoin in Eastern Europe or Argentina and I send it to Australia, like I, I know that it's all the same Bitcoin. It's the exact same thing for things like health records for. Um, the data about uh, maybe your contacts and information that you carry with you, uh, maybe your uh, email address as you log into different applications. So uh, what the decentralized web allows you to do is own your own data and then uh, take it around with you uh, across the internet. And and that's the big vision. Uh, And the innovation that made that possible was Satoshi Nakamoto when he launched Bitcoin back in 2009 was he actually made a system where you could feel uh, confident about the truth of that data anywhere on the planet. And, and so that's, that's what the decentralized web is going to do. And it's going to be much more diverse than just uh, financial use cases. Gotcha. So it's sort of like having that blue check mark next to your Twitter, but like on all of your assets, and then you own it instead of Twitter. That's correct. And, and you got the big piece there at the end, which is you own it instead of Twitter. Um, and the reason why Twitter owns it right now is because there's no other way to do it. Um, and, I, and I talk about this all the time, but your social handles on these social networks are owned by those companies. Like you don't have any way to pull that data out from that company. You have no way uh, to take your voice somewhere else. And so if you get um, let's say that you want to move platforms from YouTube and you want to build your own video platform to go direct to consumers. Uh, you lose all that, you know, all that uh, contacts and, and uh, I guess the followers and everything on YouTube, right? You lose all of that when you try to move to this new platform. And so what they're doing is creating really high switching costs in order to lock you in. Uh, but with data port- uh, portability, which is part of what you get along with the decentralized web, there's no longer that lock-in for you as a as a producer online, um, and so you can take the data that you own um, and and take it to a new app. So that way you can feel very confident in trying to build a business on top of it. There's there's lots of examples about you know over the past twenty years of this happening in uh, on the internet. Uh, a lot of people built games on Facebook, for instance, and then Facebook would change the API, uh, or they would build applications that work with Twitter and Twitter would make an update to their API. And you, you hear about this. YouTube's another one everyone hears about. They make an update to the way that their ad policies work. Um, and so because these platforms do not have data portability as a piece of their business, then uh, they, they can be abusive towards uh, users. And so I would just say fundamentally that all the things that you're interacting with online are not built 
for you as a user or a content producer. Um, there, all of these systems are built on this ad model where some other person is getting getting paid. I would say the mo- the, the thing that drives me the most nuts recently is on YouTube. Uh, you may have noticed they now force ads on every video look. So like even even if you're a content producer and you don't want ads, let's say that you're literally like you're a children's show. And you're making these for your grand grandkids, right? And their and their school watches it. They now have to watch an ad on on YouTube, um, which is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I hate that. It's on Facebook too. Like, all if you want to watch a Facebook video like that, your friend posts of like dumb stuff they did at home, you have to watch some corporate ad. Yeah, it. It, it, it's yeah. crazy. No, that's that's totally nuts. I actually hadn't heard that one. So, um, and we're we need to get away from that. And I think everybody feels uh, the need to, to move off. So we, we covered quite a few concepts there. So I'm going to just back up a little bit. So let's, maybe I'll ask you a question or two. You you said you bought some cryptocurrency before and you know, you sold it, you didn't know what to do with it. What, what can you imagine if you were able to own more things online? What are some of the things that you think you, you would be interested in owning on your own digital life? I'm actually curious. Yeah. So for me personally, um, I I don't know if you know this about me actually, but I've been a travel blogger for the last four and a half years. So I have a travel blog website. Obviously I'd love to own that. I have a personal website too. That's just my name. I have quite a following on Instagram and I, I work with brands on Instagram. I don't like to call myself an Instagram influencer. There's just so much like (laughs) like, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You're just, you're never going to respect me again. If I told you I was an Instagram influencer, but, uh, I do work with brands on Instagram. I have quite a following there. So I'd love to own that. Um, so social media websites, things like that. That, I mean, that's what comes to mind first. Yeah, no, that's actually a lot of stuff. I didn't realize you were that, you were that involved. So basically I can say that if you are a content producer and like, you know, an influencer does that, um, you know, through their Instagram account. Uh, so anybody who's pr- producing content online should be interested about um, what's happening in the decentralized web, because uh, we're going to enable you to get paid direct. And and like you see things like Patreon and Patreon was really cool um, when it first came out. And a lot of people did well there. And then, you know, on the, on the more risque side, your only fans, we have to admit that it's also blown up over the past couple of years. And like, now these people are making a lot of money. Uh, and it's interesting because you can see them, dis- you can see them get rid of the middleman, right. in in a lot of these industries. And that's what, uh, that's one of the side effects of building new incentive structures. So we were saying earlier, like, you know, you have data portability. So I guess at the very bottom, if you can own digital things, like you can own your Bitcoin or you can, you know, own your Twitter account or whatever. So if you can own your things online, um, then you can move them wherever you want. And that gives you data portability. And then, and then if you have this data portability, um, you avoid the situation uh, where you're getting locked into these platforms. Uh, and then, and then that means you can compete them against each other to uh, get rid of that middleman. And so that was one of the original memes for people in the Bitcoin space. And they were talking about how originally we really want to disintermediate banks. And that's a really big word, meaning like get rid of banks in the middle. Like, why can't I just loan money directly to people? And so the finance people who worked on Bitcoin, that was a that was the big initial push. And the reason why they focus, why it came from finances, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money being taken between you and your auto loan, your car loan, or you and your home loan, like your uh, mortgage. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, if you get a mortgage, you're going to pay five to $10,000 in origination costs. I mean, that's a lot of money. And so that's why the original uh, hardcore cryptocurrency, Bitcoin people, um, you'll see them coming from the finance industry because they see this 
charge that's happening to you um, all over the place. And just to give you some global perspective, global GDP, uh, like, so let's, I don't actually know what the exact number is, but we'll just, we'll, I know it's north of 10 trillion, but let's just say 10 trillion because we want a number, um, you know, global GDP. Uh, and then two to 5% of that is estimated to be these uh, intermediary costs where there's a middleman taking a cut for helping to facilitate just a transaction. So um, it's literally trillions of dollars on the global economy because uh, two to five percent of the global economy is trillions of dollars uh, per year. Um, and and this disintermediation is going to happen not just on these financial networks, but anywhere where people are exchanging things of value. Uh, and we think digital things are obviously going to be first. So um, I think that you're going to be, what I'm trying to say is your Instagram account is now living at Instagram, but in a future world, your Instagram account, you know, you're at Diana Chen or whatever it is, um, you'll be able to move that to any type of management software you may want. You could even see like Patreon launching a competitor to Instagram, right? And then, and, or, and then, so now you just, Instagram is just like, wait, she just left. And that's correct. You, you would just leave their platform. You would go over to some other one like Patreon, Instagram or whatever, and they would offer you a better deal. Maybe they offer you a higher percentage of the ad revenue that they bring you. Um, maybe they make it, you know, reduce the transaction costs for people to pay you directly. Uh, so, you know, these big companies aren't going to be, there's still going to be big companies that exist out there to build applications uh, for people to interact with on the internet. Um, the, the difference is, is the incentive structure inside these applications are going to be made so that content producers get paid more. And this is happening already um, on the internet. You see a lot of people trying to go direct to their end user uh, to make money. Okay. So then in that case, how will companies like Instagram and Facebook and even Google continue to exist? Like if I own my own Instagram and I own my own data, only I know who my followers are, only I know what their demographic is, then I mean, the, the whole like premise of the, these social media sites is they make money off of the data they collect from their users so that they can run ads. So without that data, like what are, are do they even matter? What are they? Yeah. So I'll actually cut those into to two buckets. So um, I'll take the easy one first. So uh, Google and, and search in general, that is already a service. So uh, search as a service, like, you know, you will pay in order to find the best piece of information. And then the way that this is showing up is on your phone with things like Siri, you know, executive assistant and these other types of models. Um, and so, uh, so, so I would put people like, you know, anyone doing search and that into a different category because yes, they are ad driven, but they're actually building really powerful AI to help you uh, locate things. So um, I think that they'll have, a, they'll be around for forever. Uh, now, now let's move over to these social media network type things. I think they have a lot more of a problem because they're deriving, they get all of their value, not from the great algorithm that they're writing, right? To help you find information. They get all their value because you are posting content, right? <laughs> or your friend is posting content. So their business model is by design extractive, right? And and whereas uh, the search engine business model, you, they, there's you know hundreds of PhDs over there optimizing uh, those search results. So, so search is going to be fine. Now these social media networks, they're going to have to find a new business model. And what I would tell you is, um, for people who've been around the internet a little bit longer, uh, you may remember IRC channels, uh, and they're still around, but, but you could have very lots of different clients, or maybe most people remember AIM, Messenger, or AOL, or something like that. But what I'm trying to say is you'll have skins, right, for, for the different things that you want to use. So 
you, you can have the Facebook network or the Instagram network where all the users own their um, information and there could, and there can be designs for that network so that it can all be read as a group. Um, but then how the users uh, see that network, how they interact with it is the UI on the front end is going to be different for them. So uh, like I was saying earlier, you could take your Instagram following from Instagram and then move to like Patreon, Instagram, and then you could move to, you know, to, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram or, or whatever you could, there would be lots of different front ends. And that means that those businesses are going to have to compete for you, right. To provide a better service. So what are they going to do? Um, maybe they, they will provide an analytics suite for you to better understand your customers. Um, maybe they will provide you more tools for, um, uh, posting better content. And if you, if you, and what I'm trying to say is you'll have a lot more competition from these applications to make a better experience for you, the content producer, and they will compete to make tools to make that better. Uh, and the best example that people have experienced recently has been Snapchat. And you saw Snapchat and they basically went head to head with Facebook and there was so much innovation in filters. Like every, every day you wake up and there's a new filter and, uh, and they just kept building more and more and more and more tools for it to make it, uh, better and more fun for you to uh, create content. And they'll do the same thing here um, for these. And then I think they're going to end up charging directly. Like subscription models are evolving on the internet. Everyone has a Netflix subscription. Everyone's paying for their Spotify, or at least most people are. Um, you're starting to see people pay subscription for email, especially for privacy concern individuals. Uh, Proton mail is becoming very you know popular among a certain demographic. So um, I think you're getting much more comfortable with digital subscriptions. And you're not going to mind paying for digital subscriptions in a digital economy where you own more of your data online because you'll actually make more money from your uh, from the content that you're producing online than you're paying in the subscriptions. I would say the majority of people now are net negative when they log on to the internet and they experience Facebook. They're actually giving Facebook more value by logging in and, and posting content than Facebook is giving them from the experiences they're getting on that website. So we're going to flip that around where you get to keep 80% of the value. And then these apps are going to be making hopefully a lot less money. So then do you also see in the, in the future, you know, once everybody's on the decentralized web that content creators are going to be able to make a lot more money because they also have more oh, yeah. channels of revenue intake, like maybe, maybe Instagram or like Patreon, Instagram or whatever the platform is, is going to pay me to get my, maybe I can like sell my Instagram analytics. Yeah. You can do that. You could potentially do that. I will just say, I think you will make significantly more money. Um, and I would, I would say already uh, that the amount of money that uh, people earning online is probably uh, a tenth of what they should be earning. And like Spotify is a great, is actually a pretty good example. Pretty much any musician you talk to on Spotify will tell you, I am not being paid enough by this company, right? And then if almost any producer on YouTube will tell you, I am not being paid enough by this company you know, for, for posting my content here. And they're not all crazy. And in fact, I think they're all correct. And, and so like that, just because so many people are complaining about it, I think the value is literally 10 X. The, the interesting thing is we actually have an industry where this just happened to very, very violently and quickly this past year. And it is, um, it is the porn industry with, with only fans. And this was, and this was like, um, only fans going direct to consumer, um, has completely gutted that industry online. Uh, and they're making a lot less money than they used to. And then the content producers for this are making significantly more money than, than they were before. And this is still using an intermediary who's taking a 10% cut 
um, and doesn't allow them to easily move their data around. Now it's a niche industry, right? So um, it's it's less likely to have a lot of competition. You know, Google's not going in there trying to compete for that industry um, for a lot of reasons. Um, and uh, so there's a little bit more room uh, for innovative small companies like OnlyFans to come in and do a good job. Um, but I think that once these technologies open up the markets for the more traditional industry, uh, you're going to see that same type of thing happen all across all across the internet. I mean, Joe Rogan's podcast, I think it was a seven, eight, nine figure deal, right? With uh, Spotify to move over. Yeah, I think that's the future. I would say the future is very bright for people creating content um, on the internet. So that's good to hear. Sign me up now. When, when can we get the when, when can we go live with this? Uh, yeah, when can we go live? So it is a process it, and it is not a switch. And you're going to start seeing it go live uh, piece by piece. Um, and it's going to take uh, it's going to take decades. And I know this is very disappointing for people, uh, but this is a long move, just like the move. So you're saying, you're saying I'm going to be an old lady by the time that people get to own their digital assets and make all this money off Instagram. And I would, I would have lost my appeal by then. And I'm just going to watch the young people make money off Instagram when I cut it 30 years ago. You can always switch to a cooking show. I hear those do really well. Um, no, I would just say, uh, you'll start to own pieces of it. No, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but it is moving pretty quick. So I think in the next three to five years, you'll start seeing some larger players get into this and start using some of these technologies to give their users a little bit more control over their um, presence online. So you'll see PayPal just recently uh, enabled users to you know, buy and sell cryptocurrency inside of the app, you know, give them a couple more years. I think that they'll make it easier for you to transfer money using that cryptocurrency through those applications. Um, you see Jack Dorsey at Twitter uh, talking, you know, very loudly about the importance of uh, these decentralized technologies. You go three to five years in the future, we could see a significantly more decentralized version of Twitter with maybe even, um, uh, uh, some governance, uh, to, and it, cause Twitter's, constantly making someone very upset about someone something someone said on it's basically like the the world station where anyone can stand up and say anything crazy they want on twitter which is why i love it um so that like i think they may innovate quicker than a lot of these other companies because they face a lot of pressures from um having such racy content across their platform um so yeah it's it's going to be i would say take some patience the first the first place uh, you're going to notice it is definitely going to be finance uh and uh, that's going to actually transform the way that you transact online. So like there's going to be some piece of your online experience you're going to start feeling immediately. Um, I think we're actually pretty close to you starting to buy things online with cryptocurrency, maybe not in the US, but definitely internationally pretty frequently. There's a lot of places in the world where credit cards don't work. You know, like I think um, some of these credit card processes are only in 20 countries, you know, there's 200 plus countries. Um, so a lot of these emerging markets are going to see this uh, first and early. Uh, for buying these types of digital uh, buying products online. And then digital products is another big one. So people who are gamers, you're going to start seeing this very soon. Gamers have been buying and selling Warcraft Gold for a decade, uh, and it's always been overly complex. And you know you have to go through eBay, and uh, the guy could rob you. But now, now you're going to be able to buy and sell your, 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 your skins and um, your, your different you know, items and equipment on these digital worlds. And you'll be able to do that directly on um, directly on a on a on a blockchain without some sort of third party intermediary in between there. So you'll start to own more of the pieces. Uh, I hope that in the very near future, 
um, you'll be able to own your username on these uh, on some social networks, probably not Instagram and Twitter, but there will be emerging social networks where they'll actually let you own that piece of the, you know, you're at Diana Chen, they'll let you own that piece. Um, and so that you have a little bit less lock in there. It's going to take time though. Just like the uh, cell phone networks in the nineties, it took them a decade to build all the towers everywhere. I remember being a little kid and it seemed like there was a cell phone tower going up. Uh, you know, every, every four miles, you know, it's just like a new one. We'd, we'd go up on a new block uh, in Atlanta where I grew up. We got the same thing that has to happen with the decentralized web. We have to build the pieces before uh, it can be useful. Gotcha. Okay. I feel like we need to do separate episodes on like blockchain, crypto, all, so many things just came up, but um, so what are the steps? Like, what can I do as just a normal citizen to get this process moving faster? If anything, yeah, well, I would say that I would encourage people to learn, right? Because it's a huge education process. So the first thing you can do uh, is just go and uh, dip your toes in, uh, get a little bit of cryptocurrency, uh, go check out some of the um, larger crypto apps and uh, start experimenting, right? And it's just like the internet in the 90s. And it's really hard to predict all the things that are going to happen. Um, but if you were early on in the internet and you know you learned how to set up your own website or do these other things, you actually you got to experience a lot of things before a lot of other people on the planet. Um, and so I, I think that I would just encourage you, you know, the easiest way if you're in the US, open a Coinbase account, buy a little bit of crypto. Um, and then I would open a browser tab. I'd go to one of these uh, DAP uh, rating services like dap.com or um, uh that's a good, that's a good example. I need to get them on uh, and just look up some of these applications and then to start playing around with them, go check out unstoppabledomains.com. Of course, I got to plug myself here at the end um, and get a domain name, launch a decentralized website, uh, but start educating yourself because just like everyone was telling you in the nineties, like, Hey, this internet thing could be pretty big. Um, we're telling you today, this, this crypto thing could be pretty big. And uh, there's going to be a lot of people who are quite entrepreneurial that come up with a lot of different ideas and they can help make this happen faster, uh, just by participating. And again, I think this thing is tailor made for content producers. So if they get in there and start thinking, uh, I'm pretty sure they'll come up with some great ideas. Yeah. That's, that's why Matt, I've been super into this ever since I heard about it from you, because I keep thinking about like, well, I have all these digital assets and you're telling me that I can own all of it. I mean, that means a lot to me, you know? So I, I, I feel like fully incentivized to, to sign up for this. Well, uh, we've we've got to do uh, we've got to make it easier for you to get a hold of those, uh, and then um, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll we'll stay motivated, and let's we'll do another one of these. We'll go through this, and we'll keep talking about more ways that um, users can start learning about this new technology and how it could uh, potentially change the way that they do things online. Okay, great, because I have a lot more questions to ask. All right, well, I think we'll cut it there. Uh, and everyone, thanks again for tuning in to the Unstoppable Podcast, and we'll catch you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something I've said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, download the podcast, and share this episode on social media with your network. This helps other people find us. And remember... The fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. We can continue the conversation on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, or ideas to me at Matthew E. Gould. We look forward to chatting with you, and thanks again for listening.